Hey, this is Pastor Matt McClure here from Takeover Church, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you. We pray it blesses you. We pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m. And we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through Takeover Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. This morning, I want to preach to you a message called More and More. Would you just turn to the Lord, More and More? More and More. That green thing is a cursor. Uh, I don't know what it's doing. It's bugging me, though. Uh, but it's, it's here to stay. What do you do? But More and More. Y'all ready for the Bible this morning? Come on, here it is. First Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. I'm popping out of the ESV this morning. It's going to be good. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Somebody say more and more. Come on. More and more. For you know that what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is... This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this manner, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards it's not man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. I know that's a lot. I promise you it's still good news, and it's going to be awesome, but we're going to pray before we go any further. Is that cool? Awesome. Jesus, we just thank you so much. We thank you for being Christ alone, the cornerstone, God, that we don't build a church on cool graphics and cool music videos and great worship and great preaching, and we don't build a church on these things. Jesus, you are the cornerstone. And so right now, before everyone, we just put you at your proper place, God. We exalt you in this house. We exalt you in this house. We put you where you belong. So right now, as you sit in all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our souls and all of our spirits right now, God, at the place you should be at the top, I ask that you would clear out any white noise that's going on the inside of us, any distractions, any voice of the enemy or those around him that would like to steal the truth that you're about to deposit into our hearts this morning, God, I ask that you would encourage us, that you would build us up, that we might leave here looking more like your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen, more and more. Man, I just, I woke up this week, I had, if I can be so frank, I had a hell of a week. It looked like hell, smelled like hell, sounded like hell. It was a tough week, but I am here, and I want a heaven encounter. Is anybody with me? I don't say that to offend you. I don't say that to just be purposely, you know, contrarian or whatever. I was honestly trying to convey to you that this week was very hard. It was one of the hardest of my life so far. And then I came across this passage as I was studying and as I was putting together this message. And man, God has more and more for his people. He has more and more for his people. Man, I don't want to be a person 
who is just continually going from beat down to beat down. I don't want to be a person who continually takes the bait of the enemy every time he puts that temptation in my face because he studied me so well that he just knows, Matt, he's going to fall for this one. He's got insecurity with fear. He's going to fall for this one. He's got insecurity with church. He's going to fall for this one. He's got insecurity in his marriage. He's going to fall for this one. I am tired of having a task of being a son of God while being taken to task by the enemy. Is anybody that's with me. So I just want to declare today in front of you and hopefully with you this morning that as a church, publicly and privately, we are going to be a people group. We are going to be a community. We are going to be an organism that decides and declares right now that we are going to own every single moment the enemy tries to tempt us. We're going to own every single moment that death tries to come to our door. We're going to own every single moment that sickness tries to invade our body. And we're not going to let this thing win. We're not going to go down. Is anybody with me this morning? Is there anybody in the house this morning that wants to be dedicated? God is dedicated to you. He says more and more. Is there anybody in here tonight or this morning that wants to be dedicated to giving God more and more? More and more. Man, I feel like I have an assignment this morning. I feel like I do every Sunday, just so you know, just to clarify that. But specifically to get this on the inside of us for more and more. I'm not talking about more and more like some televangelist who's like, $500, do this, do that, put it in there, you're gonna, all your tumors going to be gone, all this. I'm not talking about that. More and more. I'm talking about more and more power. I'm talking about more and more dominion from God. I'm talking about more and more faith, more and more freedom, more and more from our God. That is what I'm speaking about this morning. Our God is the perfect leader. He never overpromises and underdelivers. He takes his time. He plans it well. He has a perfect plan for your life. And when he delivers it to you, it's going to be the best thing for you. For some of us this morning, we've been asking for some things. That if we received it in the current place that we are in, it would crush us. If we had the promotion we so desperately want, do we have the character and the integrity to handle that position? If we got the money that we wanted, do we have the earnest heart that says, I'm not going to turn from you, God, just because you start to overflow in my life. Build some character in me so that when it comes to my house, so that when my barns overflow, as Adrian said earlier, as all of these things, when it comes to me, make me a person who can handle your blessings. More and more. And so I love this scripture. I love this scripture. Here's the Apostle Paul, and I was making fun of this at team night as well. If you're not serving yet, get signed up. We'll be at somebody's house partying. I'm sure we met at Pastor Lexi's house. She's our kid's pastor. We met at her house, and uh, yeah, Lexi's fire. She's awesome. We met at Lexi's house, and I'm quite certain she's kind of new to the neighborhood. She moved into Alger Heights just down the road and uh, a few months back over the summer, and I'm pretty sure we were probably going to get some noise complaints because we were worshiping our faces off in her living room. There was like 20-some people up in a little like 8 by 8 space, and we were losing our minds, and it was good. But I was talking about Thessalonians there, too, and this is obviously a different scripture for those of us that are serving, but here's the Apostle Paul, and he's awesome, and he's writing to the Thessalonians in a place that's called Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki, or any other way that you want to attempt to say this word, it's impossible. Thessalonica, like it's just not, it looks like it would say one, one thing, but every time you go to say it, it don't work, okay, at least for me. Pray for your pastors. Who needs you, man? I'm a spell check generation. I got autocorrect on my phone. Like, it's hard out here. 
But Paul, somehow he was able to write every single letter of Thessalonica uh, perfectly without autocorrect and in Hebrew, and he's just a beast. So I can't do that. But he's writing this letter to the Thessalonians and the church over there. And kind of like last week when we were talking about the church of Ephesus and, and all these guys like, or, or the church of, where were we at, Philippians? Oh, church of Philippi last week um, and Stanford. Who enjoyed Stanford last week? Come on. As we talk about the church of Philippi, the Thessalonians were another church that Paul was just absolutely stoked on. I got to imagine they're like takeover church. Just so proud. I got to tell you guys, Adrian and I, we're so proud. We're so proud. Paul, he comes, Timothy is the one who uh, comes and tells Paul how great they are doing and is bragging on him. Timothy's one of Paul's little homies, and he's out doing his thing, and he's like, Paul, I got to tell you, man, those Thessalonians, they're killing the game. They're killing it. Man, they're out there being amazing, actual Christians. They're loving people to Jesus. They're sticking with them through addiction. They're loving people where they are, whether they agree with them or not, like we talked about last week. They were loving people, man. And it makes me think of, of Takeover Church, because I think if we were to take a temperature check here, do we all got areas that we should grow in? Do we all areas that are hang-ups? Do we all got areas where we're still on the sanctification process? Yeah, we do. Bless you. But I got to believe that our God is proud of Takeover Church. And I'm not talking about the establishment. I'm not talking about the 501c3 certification. I'm not talking about our EIN business number. I'm talking about the living, breathing, followers, holy Christians calling after Jesus and running for people. I'm talking about you, the church. He's proud. Can you just make some noise for God because you're so good? Come on. So Thessalonians. And, and uh, what's his name? Timothy. My bad. That's what I almost called him Peter. Timothy is just writing to Paul, and he comes to him, and he tells him how great they're doing. And so Paul's heart for the Thessalonians is the same as it was for the church of Philippi. He's just telling them, you are amazing. You are actually doing it. You are actually living this thing out loud for Jesus. Like, wow, oh my gosh, this is incredible. You guys are so good. I'm out here. I'm getting jailed. I'm getting beat up for the purpose of the gospel. I'm getting locked up, and I'm writing all these letters, and some people are messed up and jacked up, but thank God for you guys, Thessalonians. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like here at Takeover Church. I thank God for you guys all the time because most churches hate their pastors. If you've ever been there, part of a religious place that, you know, puts on a facade of a church, they hate their pastors. They don't actually want their pastor for who they are. Instead, they want to change everything about their pastor, change the assignment of the church, start doing all of these other things, turn the music down, turn the lights up, and silence all of the Holy Spirit. And they just want to do things their religious, legalistic ways. But we actually have a church. But loves are pastors. It makes life for Asia and I very awesome because we want to hang out with you. We, we, there was a young couple that we met with for Friday. We went out to tacos with them. Like, it was a good time hanging out with them. People we've never hung out with from church. They had a family engagement, so they're not here today. We love you guys. But it was awesome because it wasn't a meeting of, hey, we want to tell you everything you guys are doing wrong or, and you got to change or else we're going to leave church. They were stoked, and they love church. And it's awesome because we – sounds bad – we don't interact with them a whole lot outside of here simply because we've met, this is the first time that we've gotten to connect in this way. And so it was really refreshing to hear. And so Paul, he gets word from Timothy that Thessalonians are killing it, they're being awesome. And Paul writes this letter, and I think that context matters so much because in this, 
I think if your ears aren't turned off uh, or are turned off to context, if you don't know what is going on in the situation, you don't know that Paul is proud, that Paul is excited, that he is just head over heels stoked on everything that they're doing, you might hear this and think Paul is really angry, really upset, wanting that church to change all of its ways, quit being whatever, and you would think that, no, 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 no. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to do this more and more. More and more. You're already doing great. You're already there. You're already doing so well. This thing, the church's dream, this God dream here, all these years, Jesus just died. What he established, you guys are making him proud. You are the very thing that he died for. Keep going. And so he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, you're already doing so great. But don't allow yourselves to fall into immorality. Don't allow yourselves to fall for the bait of the devil. Don't allow yourselves to fall into any sort of impurity. Don't get in transgressions with your brothers. Just say, God bless you, and walk away. Don't engage in conversations that everybody else is engaging. Love them where they are. Be Jesus to them. He's just encouraging them more and more. And I love the idea of, of more and more because... For you at Takeover Church, just like Paul was saying there, I believe God is calling us as a people group, as a community, as an organism, to go for more and more. That as Christians, as Jesus followers, God actually expects us to behave like Christians. I actually hope and I pray over this community every day of the week that you're out there and you're crushing it for Christ and you're leading people to Jesus and you're loving them where they are that you would be excelling in your God-given gifts, talents, and even the areas that you find your feet still stuck in some snares from time to time, you would be excelling in those areas more and more. Can I tell you something incredible and incredibly freeing this morning? Can I tell you something incredibly freeing this morning? You can always be more free. You can always be more free. You can always be more prophetic. You can always be more talented. You can always be more blessed. You can always be more sanctified. You can always keep growing. There is always more with God that you can do. Amen? There's always more. There's always more that he can take from you and build you up into something even greater. There's always things that we have to relinquish. We're human. We'll have moments of step back. We'll have moments of downside. We'll have moments where life is just coming at us and we dip back into old behaviors and old programmings and old mindsets. There's always more that we can give. But another really freeing thought that I want to share with you all this morning is this. It's not about arriving. It's not about arriving. So many of us, when we hear this, we get legalistic with it. And we're like, oh, I got to X this out. I got to quit doing this. Can't have a beer. Can't do this. Can't cuss no more. Can't do this. All of these, these things. And yes, there's good in that. There's good in those things. Making your testimony really strong that you're just being the most positive person and being like, no, man. Like, I honestly believe, like, can I pray with you at work? I know, like, your whole life is kind of sucking right now. But instead of, like, speaking negatively and ganging up on your situation there and just bringing a cloud of darkness over it, can I just pray with you and we can speak a little bit of hope, hope in your circumstances? Like, there are things that, yes, we should check and we should write off and we should remove from our lives. Absolutely. 
that a lot of us, we get overwhelmed with this idea of holiness. We get overwhelmed with this idea of sanctification. We get overwhelmed with God asking us to remove certain things from our lives and handing them over. We get overwhelmed with this idea of we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do more and more. We get overwhelmed because for some of us, we're waiting on that arrival. We're waiting to finally get to that spot we want to be. We're waiting for that moment where we reach the celestial, perfect, immaculate way of God where we're just no sin, no shame, no guilt. And here we are. Whoa, look at me. I look like Jesus. We're waiting for that. So many of us are waiting for the advancement in our lives to happen. We're waiting for that arrival at that next part in our lives. If I can just get through this season, then God will be pleased with me. Then I will be an honorable man of God. Then I'll be an honorable Christian. Then I'll be somebody that Jesus can be proud of. Let me tell you something. Jesus is already proud of you. If you've bent a knee and you've said, you're my Lord and my Savior, he is proud of you because now he knows you. But we serve the God. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. You will be crushed if you shoot for per, uh, perfection but you will be blessed if you shoot for progress. You will be crushed if you shoot for perfection, but you will be blessed if you shoot for progress. Why is that? Because we serve the God of both the arrival and the travel. We serve the God of the arrival and the travel. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but you serve the God of both the arrival and the travel. It's his job to perfect you. It's our job to follow. It's his job to sanctify us. It's our job to keep chasing Jesus. That has to be freeing. Because when Paul is writing this, he's saying to this church, he's saying, you're doing great. You're doing all these things. Keep going more and more. The goal isn't perfection. Perfection, you will be crushed by. It is unattainable. But progress, sanctification, aiming and striving for holiness, you are absolutely capable of. But know that you serve the God of both the arrival and the travel. Perfection is jobs is God's job. Perfection is God's job. Worship is yours. Perfection is God's job. Faithfulness is yours. Perfection is God's job. Obedience is ours. So many of us are striving for perfection. We're striving to get these areas out of our lives. And while God is calling us out of freedom, we're putting ourselves in some legalistic handcuffs. And he's like, don't. I'm the God of the arrival and the travel. Just keep following me, and we will work this thing out. Paul is saying to this church, the same thing I believe God is saying to us, just keep going. You're already submitting it. Just keep submitting it. Submit it all the more. Keep going more and more. The other thing I love about this verse, when he's just encouraging them, he's just encouraging them. He says this, whoo, whoo. he says this thing, I almost fell off the stage, whoo. He says this thing about impurity. None of you give into impurity. And I love that because I think something the church needs to hear in 2019 is that holiness still matters to God. Holiness still matters to God. It's not this unattainable thing. He's talking about you're holy 
when you keep going. You're holy when you give God more and more. You're holy when you remain obedient when the world is telling you not to. When life gives you every reason to remove your faithfulness from God. That's what holiness looks like. It's a continual submission of my God created me. He knows best. So I'm going to quit giving myself over to things that want to take more from me and can never pay for me. Is this good preaching? If it's not, let me know. I'll quit. Lies. <laughs> impurity. The thing about impurity is this. Once something is pure, and then something gets in it, it's impure. It don't matter how big the droplet is. It don't matter how little the thing is. It don't matter how big it is either. Big sin, little sin. Little drop of ink in the water, big drop of ink in the water. Impurity is impurity. Is impurity amen? So that's kind of crazy. <laughs> Don't give yourself over to impurity. God's heart, God's heart is not for perfection. He knows. He's perfect. He's the only one. His goal is progress. His goal is that you would start to renew yourself, that you would get involved with people who are going to keep you accountable for those areas that you need to grow in. So that your witness, so that your testimony, as we talked about Wednesday at night, so our witness can be louder to the people outside these walls. To the people in our families, to the people at our workplace. God has an assignment for you guys, for all of us, for this church, for me, from the pulpit to the parking lot team. He has a plan for all of us. And it involves more and more. But the thing about more and more is that it requires less and less. Well, how's that work? How's that work? What do you mean? That don't make no sense. I do math. I math sometimes. More and more requires less and less. That doesn't make no sense. It requires less and less of what we want. Less and less of those selfish desires. Less and less of those areas that God's saying, this isn't best for your life. Quit giving into it. Quit giving into it. When are you, when are you going to commit and just get the right people around you and quit hanging out with those guys and those girls that bring you down? When are you going to quit going to the bar alone? When are you going to quit being in those places that you know are going to cause you to stumble? When are you going to quit doing that? He's calling us out of it more and more. He wants us to give more and more. More and more requires less and less. Our Bible actually says if we want to see God increase in our lives, that we have to see us decrease in our lives. If we want to see God amplify in our lives, then there are people, places, and practices in our lives that need to be silenced. If we want to see God turn up in our lives, come on, church, we want to see God turn up in our lives, there are some things in our lives that got to turn down, amen? If we want to get more and more, if we want to see God amplify more and more, there are things in our lives that have to be silenced. And I called out people, places, and practices because there's people in our lives that we need to remove, and sometimes being people in our lives, sometimes that means us. That means parts of us that need to be removed. There's people that we need to quit hanging out with because God bless them. You're lovable, but right now, the condition that you're in, you're not able to be a light to them because every time you're around them, you just succumb to the same things they're doing, and it's, it has taken you back a step. There are places in our lives that we go 
But the second you walk in there, the atmosphere that they've created for that place, for that establishment, it wants you to come in an agreement with something other than what God has said is best for your life. So if you've got a problem with alcohol today, God doesn't want you to go to a bar. He's not trying to ruin your fun. Thankfully, he puts you in a great place called Grand Rapids where there's loads of coffee shops and other cool places and things that you can be found in that aren't going to arrest you, that aren't going to bring you down, that aren't going to tie lead bricks to your ankles when you're trying to succeed and you can't move forward. And then there are practices. There's some practices in our lives, things that we've done. You know, I always talk about it and say, um, which sounds so stupid, quoting yourself, shut up, Matt, you're an idiot. But there's one of the things I always talk about with the boys is this. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Practice makes permanent. You can do something wrong for 12 years, and guess what? Now it's a habit, and you've been doing it wrong. Like, it's just, it makes it permanent. It doesn't make it perfect. It only gets perfect if you start working on it. Just because you're doing something doesn't mean what you're doing is immediately perfect. It just makes it permanent in your life. And so there are some things that God is calling us less and less out of, less and less of those people, less and less of those places, less and less of those practices. Man, I got a mindset that's just the second, the second something goes wrong in my life, man, I just want to take what's not mine to make sure I can still succeed in this life. Well, that's a bad practice. Do that enough times, that's going to become your immediate instinct. Oh, I just, when I get in trouble, my immediate, my immediate instinct is to, is to lie, to get out of it, and to shift blame. Well, that's a bad practice, because now you're just lying all the time, and now you're being dishonest with people. They don't know if they can trust you. Oh, I think my immediate instinct with my, my marriage is just, the second there's bad, the second it gets bad, the second it gets hard, I'm just, I'm just watching porn over here, I'm just cheating over here, I'm just doing this thing over here. Well, now you're just... Now you're cheating, and now your integrity is called into question. And, and now we know John 10.10 10 says a thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And you got two out of three of those being evident in your life right now. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. A full life means one that's full of God and less of us. When we remove those default settings that we have, and we say, God, give me new features. Download me new apps for the young people in here. I need a new iOS, a new operating system, because what I've been doing and how I've been doing it ain't working for nobody, especially me. Impurity. He's saying more and more. And so maybe you're in here this morning, and maybe impurity isn't a big struggle for you. Maybe right now where you're at, you're at the mountaintop, baby. You're like, woo, Ric Flair, you are wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing, son of a gun, right? You're just out here just living the high life. Nobody knows Ric Flair. It's fine. He's the man. He's the nature boy. Woo! He does that. Anyways, he's got a bad tan, and he was in Amigos video. It's weird. My worlds collided. Hip-hop and WWE collided, and I was like, what is happening? It's so good. Is this, is this heaven? Ric Flair. Um, <laughs> pray for me. Pray for me. I need it. I need to be more holy, okay? But maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're on that mountaintop. Maybe you're not struggling right now, and that's awesome, and I applaud you, and that's where I want to see everybody. I want to see people not live beat down to beat down, but I want to see you go from glory to glory, from strength to strength and hope to hope. That's what we do church for. That's where we want to see you get to. But if that's you and you say, I'm not there. I'm not struggling. Life is really good for me. That's amazing. That's great because that's what Paul was saying about this church. You guys are there. You're doing awesome. Just keep going. And so for some of us, it's like, whew, man, all right, I quit cheating on my wife. Whew, that's awesome. I'm really, glad to, great to, I'm really glad to hear that. That's amazing. Good for you. Now quit watching porn. 
more and more. Too real on a Sunday morning at 10.30? Too much? Man, I'm just, I finally quit drinking. I finally quit drinking. That is so awesome. I am so proud of you. I'm so glad to see you free in that way. Now quit looking for your validation in people. I already approve you. I got you free. You are obedient to me. You have my approval. You were looking for satisfaction in a bottle, and now you're looking for approval in people. They can't approve you. They didn't make you. I approve you. I made you, and I saved you from yourself, from the bottle, from all those terrible consequences. I've got you. You're approved. Go and be free. So Paul is saying this to the Thessalonians. He's not kicking their teeth and or beating them up. If you don't have context, you don't know that he's proud and he's excited and he's so elated at how well they're doing. He just says, cool, you've arrived here. You're loving people really well. Awesome. You quit, you know, blowing up at work. You cooled your temper at work. That's awesome. Now cool your temper at home. We're not about perfection. We're about progress. You serve the God of both the arrival and the travel. Amen. Is this helping anybody this morning? You serve the God of the arrival and the travel. My girlfriend and I, man, it's so good, man. We finally quit having sex. Awesome. So what's your living situation look like? Oh, uh, we live together. Do you think that's setting you best up for the best one to remain pure? Is getting horizontal with them in any fashion, I don't care if you're napping, is that setting you up for success? Is that honoring her and honoring you? Is your reputation strong? Is her reputation strong? More and more. You quit having sex? That's incredible. So stoked. I'm glad that chain is off. But man, I think you got a couple other shackles on you still. More and more. This is about progress this morning, not perfection. Jesus is perfect. God sees us perfect through him. And because of the Holy Spirit, we get to walk in that freedom. Amen? So here's the other thing. Now we got, impure, we got impurity checked down. God says this. You ready? Is this good for anybody this morning? He says this, therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. I love why Paul said that, okay? Because, again, if you don't have context for this, you're going to think he's just being harsh and being wild, and that's just what he's doing. That's not what he's doing, okay? Thessalonians, he's writing to them, and he was like, you guys are doing so good. Don't think that I'm coming down on you. Don't, don't hear this as legalism. Don't hear this as religion. Don't hear this as if I'm asking you to exchange chains, chains of the world to bondage to religion. That's not what's happening here. This isn't some list of legalism. Don't do this. If you do this, you're out the church. That's not what we're saying. If you do this and you don't do this, God's not going to love you anymore. That's not what we're saying. He says those who are actively doing these things, they don't sin against God. They don't, or no, they don't sin against people. They don't sin against themselves even. They sin against God who gives them the Holy Spirit. Why did, why did he say that? Why did Paul say that? Can I tell you why this morning? It's really freeing. This is going to free you so much if this is a place that you found yourself in. And if you do find yourself in this place, go back and listen to the podcast. I think it's fixed this week. Jesus, help. It's bad. It's been bad. And I know. And we're working on it. I'm sorry. Apologize to your car speakers for me. Pray over those things. They'll work again. But he says this. Christians, we don't actively, we're Jesus followers. We don't actively participate in sin. We're sinful creatures. We're on the sanctification process. He's renewing these things out of us. But we've turned. We've repented. We were going one sinful direction. We had an encounter with Jesus, and we followed him and went the other direction. He's saying we don't actively, now that we're Christians, now that we're saved, now that we're born again, 
We don't actively participate in sin. And so for us, when we do actively participate in sin, we're no longer just sinning against people, no longer sinning against ourselves. We as Jesus followers, we will willingly participate in sin. We pursue that direction. We're going this way with Jesus. We go back that way purposely. We sin against God. And he was trying to encourage them. This isn't legalism. This isn't legalism. Don't, don't exchange religion don't exchange the relationship that you have for religion when you hear my words. Because here's the kicker. He says, you sin against God, yes. But it's like, wait, wait, it gets better, it gets better. He gives you his Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? How does that, how does that speak to any sort of relationship? Because God only gives his Holy Spirit to those that he knows. God only gives his Holy Spirit to those that he knows. Here's the thing. Jesus Christ, he went to the cross. He died for all mankind so that all may come to know God. Jesus says, better than I go so the Holy Spirit may come to those he knows. Jesus died for all that may come to make a way for them to come. But those of us that do come, those of us that do answer the call, those of us that do awake, oh sleeper, those of us that begin to follow Jesus, he gives us his Holy Spirit. So Paul is saying to them, don't think it's religion. Don't think it's legalism. Don't think he wants you to be in bondage to something else if that's just not the world. No, no, no. He gives you his Holy Spirit because he knows you. And if he gives you his Holy Spirit, he has empowered you to not actively pursue those things anymore. He's given you a church, and he's given you leaders, and he's given you friends, and he's given you sisters, and he's given you brothers, and he's given you the guy on the inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that now lives in you so you don't have to be a slave anymore. Like Jesus wasn't in bondage to death, you no longer have to be in bondage to death. He gives you his Holy Spirit. Amen? Is this helping anybody? I hope so. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. And so he gives him his Holy Spirit. He says this. He says this. Y'all ready? This next part of scripture, he says this. First Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. This is the continuation. So we read 1 through 8. Now we're reading 9 through 12. Check this out. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you on that one. For you yourselves have been taught by God how to love one another. And for that, indeed, is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. That's amazing. He's saying you are loving the unchurched throughout Macedonia. You are doing amazing things. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one to do this more and more. And so this is incredible because, again, Paul points out, you're loving people really well. You're doing it really well. Keep going. Do more and more. And then he says these three things. He says these three things, and, and they, they didn't bother me, but they didn't really, not, they didn't sit well with me at first, not in a bad way. I just wasn't understanding for sure what he was trying to say. So I kept reading other, other translations. I went back to the Hebrew and the Greek, and I was doing all those things that a good pastor should do. He's going to try and tell you a message. And I was reading, and he says those three things. He says, 
Aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands. Aspire to live quietly. That doesn't mean that he doesn't want you not going to the club, turning up for what? He's not saying that. He's not saying that you can't have parties at your house. He's not saying that you can't live a life and be a famous person. He's not saying that you can't have notoriety. You can't exist in bright lights. He's not saying any of those things. He says, aspire to live quietly. He's saying the world is pretty loud about a lot of things that are ridiculous that God is not in agreement with. You don't have to get loud with what they're getting loud about. You don't have to put your voice in agreement with what the world is getting loud about. You don't have to put yourself out there and say, yeah, let's just get in this rat race, this, this uh, fight that we're having in the public eye, and let's just join together. All of a sudden, it's not just the unchurched who are getting angry about certain things. Now, it's the church who are getting angry about certain things. And God's saying, I'm not requiring you to get angry about these things or to get loud about them. I'm requiring you to love those people on the other side of the battle line. He's like, our war is not against flesh and blood. You don't have to live loudly being an obnoxious person yelling at people on Facebook, doing all these things that we talked about last week. He's saying, you just need to love those people. And so he says, don't live. He says, I to live quietly. And then he says this. He says, mind your own affairs. Mind your own affairs. That doesn't mean that you don't keep uh, brothers and sisters in Christ accountable. He's just saying, hey, often when we're being a busybody and we're getting involved in everybody else's business, we're yelling and complaining about how dirty their house is. Usually behind our closed doors, things are out of order. Have you ever noticed that? People are like, oh, man, they out there mad sinning. They big sinning over there. They doing this and they doing that. And they was living this and they was doing that. And you're the one loud about it and you're complaining about it. But at the same time, you're probably failing your wife. You're probably not being wise with your finances. You're probably finding validation in people, places, and things. Like, notice, that's a characteristic that people whose lives are out of order on the inside, they start getting involved in everybody else's. So Paul's like, live quietly. Mind your own business. <laughs> Somebody just say, mind your own business. You got to say it like that, business. I like it. And then he says this. He says, and work with your hands. Work with your hands. Work with your hands. He's saying, I created you to make something with your life. I gave you a call. I instructed you to work with your hands. I encouraged you and I called you to build something worthwhile with your life, worth Jesus going to the cross with your life. Don't get concerned with all of these other things. Don't get concerned with the marketplace and that. I have called you higher. I have welcomed you deeper. I am in you. I am for you. And I gave you the God-given ability with yourself to amass something to give glory to God. Get busy with your hands. And then he says this, worship team, you can kind of begin to make your way up here. We'll do, we'll do some sort of hustle. That's fine. He says this, as we get ready to close. He says this, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. More and more. You can always be more freer. You can always have less bondage. You can always have less chains on you. He says, I love that, so that you may walk properly before outsiders. Again, they're already doing so great. And he's just encouraging them like I'm encouraging you this morning. You're already doing so great. You're already doing so well. Adrian and I are already so proud of you. God is already so proud of you. But you can always be more freer so that you may walk properly to the outsiders. I love that because... There's a way that you can walk, that you can show people how they would be able to live their life if they didn't have chains around their ankles. 
There's a way that you can do things, that you can show them what they can build with this life with hands that are free. God is calling you deeper. He's calling you wider. He's calling you more into himself. He's calling you to be holy. I don't want to be a Jesus follower that just settles, that's just mediocre, that just settles for, you know what? I love Jesus and I haven't cheated on my wife yet. Great. No, I want to be somebody that walks properly among outsiders. I want to be a man that's worth following. I want to be a man that God entrusts to direct and to lead. More and more, I want to show people through my life what it looks like to walk without chains around your ankles. He's saying walk properly before outsiders. God has got a light. God has got an image. He has got a light that he is trying to shine to the people in Grand Rapids through you and me that says this is what true freedom looks like. The world will tell you freedom looks like sleeping with whoever you want to. It doesn't. True freedom looks like not having any chains on you. The world, they got an image of freedom. That image is an imposter for the light that God is trying to show the world through you. More and more. And then he says, and be dependent on no one. Be dependent on no one. You don't have to look to the person to your left or to your right for your validation in worship. You don't have to be dependent on a bottle at the end of the night just to get you through all the anxiety that you have. You don't have to be dependent on drugs just to, just to make it through the next day. You don't have to be so wound tight that you just smoke and you just drink and you just take supplements just to make it through. You don't. You don't have to live in a place where the most satisfaction and you like, the most satisfaction that you experience in your life and the greatest amount of shame that you experience in your life all happen in the cycle of one night with somebody that you don't know. You don't have to be dependent on that. You don't have to live in a place where you're dependent on our world and our economy to supply your needs. He supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's power. That's power. True power comes from ownership over the areas in your life, what you do and what you don't do. That's true power. More and more is a place to get you to a place of power and prominence in the kingdom of God that you would not be a slave to bondage anymore, that your hands would be free to worship, that your legs would be free to walk out the call of God on your life. If I can get everybody just to stand up with me as we get ready to go back into this next worship song. Today, today you can be more freer. In this moment, you can be more freer. And it's during this next worship song, you can surrender some things to God. You can lay down some things to God that he's been calling you out of. Pride. Thinking that you're responsible for your life working out well. Anger and bitterness towards yourself, who you are, the people you come from. 
There's a greater blood, and it's the blood of Jesus. Somebody in here needs to get free this morning by hearing, you are not your kin. You are born again. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God now. You don't have to live in bitterness or shame or guilt from where you come from. You're free from that. You will walk in a significant amount of more power in your life when you take maximum ownership over what you do and you don't do. Talk about a powerful woman of God. You get that late night text message and you message back, nah, prayer, a woman of God don't roll like that. That's power. Watch how you begin to walk. Watch the authority that you begin to walk in in your life. Take an authority over the actions and inactions of your life, what you do and don't do. When you begin to shut that stuff down, and you just behind, you hide behind who God calls you. You're not responsible for offending them because they're trying to hit you up for a late night booty call. No. I'm a woman of God, and a woman of God, she don't roll like that. You don't have to be a slave to, to stealing or poverty. You don't. You can rest in that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. In his glory and in his riches, there is his power. Now when the cash register at work is left open, you can steal 1750. 1750 don't got the power that the kingdom of God has. I learned that one the hard way. Please take that from me. You will experience in your life Monday through Sunday. 365, more power when you just begin to say, not today, devil. I'm not going to look to the left or to my right, but I'm going to stay fixated on my spouse where God has called me to because my Bible says, let no man separate what God has brought together. And that man includes me, that man includes him, that man includes the woman, and that man includes the devil. Let no man separate what God has joined together. That's power. Can you imagine the power your marriage will walk and how much you will feel loved and secure in your marriage if you just decided let no man separate what God has brought together. So as we begin to worship right now, let's just begin to silently worship God. Let's lift our hands, let's sing, and let's begin to take ownership of those things. Let's lay it down. Let's tell the devil not today because we want more and more. Amen?